All right. Before we get rolling on James this morning, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for our fellowship this morning. We thank you for, Lord, this letter that James wrote. It was 2,000 years ago, Lord, that is still touching us, still teaching us today. Father, I pray that you would be with us during this time. Help us to be hearers of your word and doers of your word. Lord, I pray that we would draw something from scripture this morning, Lord, that we would carry with us about your word and your will. We praise you for what you are doing in our church's life. We praise you for all the things that, Father, we know and those that we can't even see. We thank you for this time to reflect on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, um, we have been walking through the book of James and it's only taken about three years for me to get through James. <laughs> Maybe exaggerating a little bit, but it has taken me a long time. Uh, and today is the last um, sermon on James, Lord willing. We will do something else going forward. So where we've been in James and we started out is James is the brother of Christ, someone who didn't believe his brother is who he says he is until the resurrection. And then James had a change and became the leader of the Jerusalem church. So quite the drastic change. The resurrection changed a lot of people in that way. And this letter is primarily to Jewish believers scattered abroad. You can read that in the very first verse of the very first chapter. Um, but secondarily to all believers, this letter was meant to be read in a congregation, not unlike what, <laughs> what we are today. So it's fitting and how amazing is it that God preserves his word, that something that's written in Greek 2,000 years ago is still relevant to us in 2023 in English, in the United States, many, many miles and many, many years after it was originally written. I believe that that's a testimony to scripture itself, that the Lord has preserved it for us until this time. If you remember James' main points, I hope you do. <laughs> I hope you do. I hope they've made an impact to you. But James has spent a lot of time on several main points. And he even sat that up in the first chapter to go through the rest of the book and elaborate um, those main points. But his main, 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 main point is living a faithful Christian life. Followed by suffering and trials are a means of our sanctification. Going through those doesn't wear out the believer and instead builds us up. 
as we trust in him. James spends an awful lot of time on living in a community of believers as well, telling us to do things like guard our tongues. If we judge to do it very carefully to make sure that we are not motivated in the wrong ways, to exhort each other, to lift each other up, and to live as a community of believers in the church. Fourthly, status and wealth make no difference in the body. He spends a lot of time talking about the wealth of some and the poverty of others, and those two are ditches on the same road, right? Some of the wealthy lord it over the people that work for them and um, have several different challenges. Those that are poor desire to be wealthy and so do all kinds of things to try and be wealthy. So those are two ditches on the same road. And then uh, lastly, as building upon living a faithful Christian life, James talks about we must not only hear, but do God's will. So we don't just come and hear uh, a message and walk away from it without it landing on us, without us absorbing it and actively carrying out what God has in his will for us to do. In When we hit on that point, we talked about Ephesians as well as a cross-reference. One of the things that the Lord, I feel, taught me uh, going through this, this book again was that those good works that James calls us to do were appointed to us before we were even thought of. So our salvation, God's sovereignty, God's choosing of us, our election, and all of the good works associated with that, all of the sanctification associated with those good works, and then the resurrection eventually all decided um, before we even were thought of. Just an amazing God we serve. All right. So all of that, I give to background as we finish up the last part of James. So James chapter five, and if you want to turn with me, please do. Um, I am using the NASB version. Um, I find it helps me to study. It's a literal, tries to stay as close to a literal translation as possible, but KJV, ESV, all good translations, not saying anything wrong about those at all. In fact, those are part of the legacy of the church that I think they're worth reading as well. So James 5, 13 through 15. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, 
they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. A prayer of a righteous person, when it is brought about, can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that the one who has turned a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So let's dig into that together. So first of all, James starts this passage uh, with a lot of different circumstances. Is anyone among you suffering? What's the call to do? He must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him. So two different two different solutions to three separate problems, right? Two of them are covered in prayer. Suffering, pray. Sick, pray. Are you catching a theme? Uh, the... <laughs> James tells us to pray in these different circumstances. If we're cheerful, sing and worship and praise the Lord. So in all of these, we are to do as Proverbs 3, 6 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So it's not some sort of, mixture of human effort uh, that is getting us through the suffering that is healing us that is praiseworthy it's all turned towards the lord and acknowledging him and what he is doing not what we are doing colossians 3 16 says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing with with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know, our songs really are a take home theology. I hope that the songs that we sing in church resonate with you and this is not saying you're crazy this is saying they recycle in your mind i hope they do and i hope the songs i hope the songs that we have like we'll sing later a mighty fortress is our god what a wonderful thing to reflect on um but look at the admonishing and (laughs) look at the sharing of wisdom through psalms hymns spiritual songs Uh, songs aren't entertainment right they're an active act of worshiping uh, of giving to the lord his due we don't have really anything to bring him 
accept our praise. And if we truly are richly dwelling in Christ, those songs are an outpouring of who we are. James continues, is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Recently, um, our brother Danny, who I'm so glad to see sitting back there, uh, Danny has had several weeks of being sick. And we truly missed him uh, and, and fellowship with him. But I believe that the Lord worked through uh, the prayers of his people. Um, and Danny is now 60%, brother, 70%. Amen. What's our denometer up today? Okay. I'm alive. You're alive. <laughs> With the Lord answered prayer. <laughs> With answered prayer. So was it that when we got together, we just said exactly the right words so that the Lord would heal Danny. Did we just put together a fantastic prayer and, and the Lord favored that and then he, no. The reason that, that I emphasize this um, in the two verses is that in the name of the Lord is how we are praying. Do we have any means of healing? No. Does the Lord? Absolutely. Um, again, in verse 15, the Lord will raise him up. And who does the work here? Who does the work of healing? And who does the work of raising sure. him up? It's the Lord. Um, and definitely in the last part of verse 15, who can forgive sins? Only the Lord. So, you know, our error a lot of times is making man big and God smaller. I don't want us to make that error. God is big and man is infinitesimally small compared to this God who does have the power of healing, who does have the power of raising them up. And he works through the prayers of his people to do so. Does he need us to do that work? This morning in Sunday school, we talked about how God created the universe out of absolutely nothing. So does the Lord need our prayers to do his work? No. But what an encouragement to us that the Lord does use us in his ministry, in praying for each other, and effectively works through prayer as a means of grace towards us. One of those things that we have that honestly think about that, we have this God who could create a universe out of nothing. And we're able to simply bow our heads and talk to him. James said in another part of this book, 
that we don't have because we don't ask. Because that kind of God can really do anything in his will. Um, So the focus here of James and other apostles that wrote the New Testament is, of course, on the Lord's work, um, not in our part of, of that work. So maybe we get now to a little bit of an uncomfortable spot for some. Um, James 6, 5, 16 says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Confession sometimes is lost on, on us Protestants, us not non-Catholics, right? Um, if we were Catholic, of course, do not recommend, okay? But if we were Catholic, we would go to a priest. We would have a time of confession. He would give us some formulaic way of uh, of going about some sort of penance. You know, say this number of Hail Marys and, and count this number of beads and, and see you later. I'm not talking about that kind of confession because we believe in a priesthood of believers, each one of us, as we are saved by God, chosen by him, um, we can confess one to another. And we should. We should. You know, I, I've i shared with a lot of, of the men and, and others with Rita um, about how difficult it's been for me at work lately to struggling with the temptation of, of worrying you know, about what the outcome is going to be. And so I've shared that with several others and they have prayed prayed for me. And I really appreciate that because the Lord has just given me a peace of mind that it doesn't matter what happens at work. He's always taking care of me. He's always taking care of, of my family and he's not about to stop. Um, And so I have to, Lord has taught the Lord has taught me through the past year not to get drugged down by circumstances. Even ones that say you may lose your job and source of income. That's right. Don't say you're going to lose the Lord <laughs> and an almighty God who's who's right there with you. So that's I believe that's what this year has been. It's been uh, having to rely on the Lord. And if something bad does happen with my job, so be it. I'm still blessed. The Lord is going to work through that. So confessing our sins one to another, accountability calls us to be vulnerable where we struggle or we fail God. So if there are struggles, please don't overshare. But if there are struggles that you have, you ought to get with another brother or sister. You ought to talk to them. You ought to talk to your elders. You ought to talk to other people that are mature in the faith about what you're struggling with so that you may be prayed. Why not to to have a tell-all, but because you are a reflection of Christ. How can you reflect him? If you're not walking with him, 
and we're here. The one of the biggest one of the biggest blessings that the Lord has given to us is each other. Um, other believers are here for just that. We're there to to share scripture with each other, pray for each other, sing to each other, everything, basically Sunday morning, right? So we shouldn't be scared to be vulnerable about where we're struggling or failing because it's far worse to not walk in the light and walk in shame instead and and just try to, to skirt around what the Lord has convicted you about. So we're to have accountability towards each other and it's difficult, but I believe that God has brought about healing because of some of those conversations. Um, so let's, let's be open to each other about that. He continues. And probably if we're going to remember one verse out of James, Perhaps this is the part of verse 16 that most people remember. Uh, a prayer of a righteous person, when it is brought about, can accomplish much. Um, and some of us grew up memorizing KJV. That's great. KJV is just as awesome of a verse as this, okay? Um and this says a prayer of a righteous person avails much, I believe is what it says in KJV. Availeth. Availeth. The fervent Yes. I love I love that language. You know, Shakespeare loved that language too. That's that's the the, the English of that time period. Um but at any rate, let's not lose the point. The prayer of a righteous person, when it is brought about, can accomplish much. In what way are we righteous? So if righteous is a qualification of this prayer being effective, then how are we righteous? Through Christ. Yeah. Borrowed righteousness, right? We don't have any, so we had to go out and borrow some. Um and the way that that happens is just like we sang in the song this morning. Did not intend for that song to line up with this, by the way. Second um, Corinthians 521 says he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we don't we don't approach God in our own righteousness. That's a that's a good way to to get struck by lightning. Right. We couldn't we couldn't possibly approach God in our own righteousness. We have to have the Lord's righteousness, Jesus righteousness. He knew no sin, but became sin on our behalf. So imputation happened when the Lord lets us borrow his righteousness, right? And that's the only way that we're able to be righteous or considered righteous as James 
says that's a qualification for this prayer to avail anything. So why pray? Especially, especially a lot of us who um, believe in election, believe in predestination, believe in all of these things. If the Lord is sovereign and he has all of this together, why, why pray like it's going to change something? Well, a few reasons. One is out of simple obedience. We're commanded to pray. It's, it's not optional. Um, you, you don't see Christians who don't pray. That's, that's not a thing. Okay. Uh, it's a matter of obedience. Look at, at Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Everybody knows this passage of scripture that's come within 20 feet of a church, right? Um, pray then in this way. The Lord says, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So the Lord Jesus is giving instruction on prayer. This then is how you should pray. The Lord didn't say, if if you choose to pray, if that's something that you choose to take me up on, no, commanded, then pray then in this way. The Lord is commanding us and is good enough to give us clear instructions of how to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 also says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. Think about the man that wrote 1 Thessalonians. Shipwrecked, snake bit, thrown into prison, Stoned, and this is a man that says, Give thanks in all circumstances. So, pray without ceasing, Paul says, a command to pray. First Timothy 2 1 through 2 also says, First of all, then I urge that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all people. For kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So Paul urges Timothy, he urges that request, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made. Clear, basic Christian instruction is that we are to be prayers. Um, So number one reason we should pray is that we're commanded to do that. Number two, how does prayer accomplish anything? A.W. Pink said, prayer is not designed for the furnishing of God with the knowledge of what we need. But it is designed as a confession to him of our sense of need. Fancy way of saying 
we don't have to tell God what we need. We have to know that we need God. (laughs) Right? He already knows. Our prayer is in alignment with him. So privately or corporately, that's the case. James is a great teacher because great teachers like to give examples. Think about Jesus. He liked to give examples too, right? He liked to give parables and stories about what he was trying to teach. And James is referring to scripture here and says in verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. What preceded Elijah's prayers? What happened to Elijah before that prayer could accomplish anything? God chose him. God put his Holy Spirit upon Elijah And through his prayer, the Holy Spirit accomplished what Elijah's prayer uh, resulted in. So why did the Lord work through Elijah's prayer to accomplish his will? Think about it. Elijah was God's mouthpiece. And we've been, uh, consequently, we've we've been, or coincidentally, that's one word I wanted to say. Coincidentally, we've been studying 1 Kings and 2 Kings. And in those books, we see Elijah being the mouthpiece of God and starting to be recognized as the mouthpiece of God, not just to Israel and Judah, but all around. Even the Phoenicians, the Philistines, the Syrians, all of the kingdoms of that time around Israel and Judah recognized Elijah as being the man of God. So, and and Elijah didn't have a nice leather-bound 66-book canon sitting in front of him, did he? he? Elijah was declaring the word of the Lord straight from the source and was seen as God's mouthpiece. So why would, why would, God use Elijah's prayer for his own glory. God was making himself renowned through the the world. Who serves as God's mouthpiece now? The church. God has, does, and will work through the prayers of his people to accomplish his works. And as we privately pray in obedience we express our dependence on God. We are aligning to God's will. So when scripture says he will grant you the desires of your heart, that's true. When our desires become his, that's true. hundred um, percent. And as we pray corporately together, we align together. And as a body, we say together, we trust in you, Lord. And we thank you for what you've done and are doing. Lastly, my brothers and sisters, if anyone among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, 
Let him know that the one who has turned a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. James' last instruction is to the church regarding wayward sons and daughters. If anyone turns from the truth. So this folds right into what he said about confession previously, right? That if we have a culture of confessing our sins one to another, then those conversations become a natural part of who we are, right? When someone gets out of that fellowship and starts getting isolated, that's when he starts to walk away from the truth. So James' instruction is to go after that person. Go after that friend of ours who is discouraged in her faith. Go after that family member who has turned away from the truth. Because overall, again, if we're representing Christ, then we want everyone to be marching towards the beat of his drum, right? The longer we delay, a lot of times, the more difficult those conversations are. Um, it's it's not biblical, but the saying bad news doesn't get better with age is absolutely true. Um, it doesn't improve. Um, so we don't need to delay about those conversations and having those difficult times where we do share with with folks. Hey, we we observe this. Is that true? You know, brother, I I heard you say X. Did you really mean that? And, and having those conversations and having the courage to be confrontational yet loving towards someone is a difficult balance to strike. But the Lord gave us the right way to go about that confrontation. Matthew 18 15 through 17 says, now, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. So this starts out privately. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you so that on the testimony of two or three witnesses, every matter may be confirmed. And if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, he is to be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So the pattern of confrontation starts out with private conversation. We're not out to embarrass anybody. That's that's not a desire that we should have. We're we're out for the truth. And. So the pattern is that we would speak to someone individually. And if he doesn't listen or she doesn't listen, then we take two with us so that this can be established that, hey, now a group of people is now having this conversation with you. And lastly, there's the matter of church discipline. If someone continues down a path of sin and just will not repent from it, then the word says that we should we should bring that before the church and they shouldn't be they shouldn't be fellowshipping with us. 
And that sounds harsh and that sounds tough, but that's scripture. So, you know, not something that we would take pleasure in doing. We hope that in round one or round two, <laughs> these things are resolved, right? And they don't go to round three. Um, Galatians 6.1 also says, brothers and sisters, even if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you are not tempted as well. So go take them by the hair of the head, pull them across the room and have this confrontational. No, um, the spirit of gentleness, like knowing that you have faults too. So your approach is not in one that lacks humility. So how do we wrap this all up? How do we wrap up today's message as well as everything that we've heard in the, the book of James? Um, just to reiterate, James urges us to live a life of faithful, self-controlled, expectant, remember last week, waiting for the Lord's return, expectant religious integrity. This There is absolutely no room for hypocrisy um, being a Christian. James calls us to have that integrity of belief and faith. We know an unlimited God who gives us wisdom, heals our sickness, and forgives us of our sins. He's just a prayer away. All of those things, wisdom, healing, forgiveness, were all mentioned by James. Um, and prayer for wisdom, uh, prayer for healing. Just think about all of those things that really are that close to us uh, of being able to just reach out to the Lord. We live our lives together as a body. So as Americans and probably we could probably even say North Carolinians, right? We like to be rugged isolationists. Sometimes we, we want to be, um, we want to be off in the holler by ourselves, right? But as a church, as a church, we live our lives together. We encourage, challenge, exhort each other, preach. With You could preach to yourself, I guess. <laughs> Come back and tell me how effective that is. Um, maybe talking to yourself, but don't answer back. You know, no. Point is, is we're... We're living our lives as a community of believers, not as a single individual Christian. That's that's not where our walk with Christ stops. And then lastly, um, he uses us to demonstrate his glory and his will to each other and the world around us. Um, it's It's awesome today to get to see six different people be baptized um, and see that 
the Lord is at work, even in this very small local body here in Podunk, Wilkesboro, North Carolina. God is still at work here. You know, last last week uh, I I shared a bunch of quotes from D.L. Moody, and one of the one of the ones that he also said was that nothing is small if God is in it. Nothing is small if God is in it. So I hope I hope this has been an encouragement to you. I hope this has been um, a challenge to you. It certainly has to me um, in reading what James has had to say. In a moment, um, I'm going to ask um, Danny and Jesse if they will come up and help me serve the the Lord's Supper. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer and take a moment just to reflect upon the scripture that we've heard today and what Lord may be, what the Lord may be calling us to confess, forsake um, as a result of hearing his word today. So let's have a few moments of silence followed by, I'll close us in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that you will apply it to our lives, Lord, that we will confess and forsake any of those things that you're calling us, Lord, to to repent of. Lord, I pray that we would absorb your word and, and be able to, Father, live with each other, encourage one another, and live a life of integrity as James has called us to do. Father, we thank you for all of these things. We thank you for this moment that we've had to reflect on your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.